Hello, friends. Happy New Year for 2023. This is Paul. I'm so glad you've chosen to join me today. I hope that you are blessed and you are at rest and you are at favor. This is the Lord's Day at the day that this posts on the first day of January. And uh, it is a, a, an opportunity to not only celebrate with other believers and, and rejoice in the goodness of our Father, but also to look forward back on where we've come from and forward to where we're going. Um, this is, of course, a little different kind of video for me. I'm in my office and I got a little natural light coming through the window. It's a beautiful day here in North Georgia. I'm recording this just a few days before it posts. My hope is that the title, Happy New Year 2023, uh, well, that's pretty straightforward, uh, but I hope that that uh, will will uh, not keep people from clicking on, um, thinking it's just a New Year's greeting, because if you're still with me, it is not simply a New Year's greeting. I am going to look back just a little bit. We are going to tell you some stuff coming up in the new year that I'm excited about, but I have a word, um, something that I have had on my heart for several weeks and I've prayed about how to de deliver it and where to even, because I had the thought before I had the scripture. So I began to listen to the spirit for where to land in the scriptures. And I believe I know where to open and I know where to close. And I also want to share something with you that's a little bit unusual for me um, as we get into the word in just a moment. So before we do that, um, let me just start by saying how thankful that I am. For all of you, I want to thank you for what you did in 2022 to make this such a successful year for this ministry, which gives us the opportunity to share the gospel with people all over the world and to do so with um, the, the, the rest and the confidence that we're able to do it with. And it's because you're faithful. So many of you have answered the call to partner with us in prayer and in and in verbal support, emotional support, and many, many of you in financial support. And it is not uh, overlooked. We, I'm so thankful, so grateful. Um, I have also, it, it was a year of great success for our family. Both of our kids graduated this year. My son, Lucas, graduated from Doan University in Crete, Nebraska. He got a, a bachelor's degree in psychology and he is now working on his first year of his master's work there at Doan while he plays one more year of ball. He gets one more year of eligibility. So he'll be playing baseball in this next spring. And then we'll see where he ends up. Uh, Lauren, our daughter, graduated from Flowery Branch High School in May and started the University of North Georgia in August here in Gainesville, Georgia. So she's commuting from home and loving life and seeing good days and I'm just excited. Natasha and I are excited for both of our kids and what the father's doing. And I'm seeing such spiritual growth in both of them. And it's exciting to watch the the all the seed that goes into the ground. This is a word of encouragement for parents out there. The word is going in and it is taking root. You just don't know it. And so sometimes they're not responding in the way that you might want them to. But I am confident and I, I take this as a word from the Lord for moms and dads out there that things take root that you don't know and, and they're growing in ways you can't see. And someday you're going to see that fruit. Um, take that as a word that you can amen and hold on to. Um, we also had the most... Um, 
the, the biggest piece of news this year was, let me grab it. Um, I forgot to put it on my desk before we started shooting, but uh, Greater Than Jonah, the, uh, the, the latest book that we spent all year working on. And, and uh, I got these copies, we got the print copies in right around Thanksgiving, and we spent a month shipping, and it's been exciting. Um, let me read the back to you real quick. Those of you that, that have a copy, um, I thank you. I hope you're being blessed. I'm getting good returns. Um, more on a piece of exciting news in a moment, but here's the back. Of all the biblical stories, none is more well-known or misunderstood than that of Jonah and the whale. This ancient tale of a prophet who runs from his call has been the source of countless sermons on obedience, theories about the judgment of God, and is even the namesake of a psychological diagnosis. Jesus used this story to illustrate his own resurrection and claimed to be greater than Jonah. What is it about Jonah's call, his journey, and his story that fascinates us and that prompted Jesus to use it as a sign to his generation? Together, we will explore the only book of the Bible to end with a question mark and discover new questions that surface as we meet Jesus through the story of Jonah. You can get this book at paulwhiteministries.com. You can get it at Amazon, Uh, especially for our international friends. The shipping might be more affordable, and you might get it a little faster if you go through Amazon. But um, you can order through our website, and uh, we'll be glad to ship to you quickly. News in regards to the book, I just finished the audio version of Greater Than Jonah. We were in the studio four days over the past few weeks um, recording the version that will go to Audible. This will be the first book that we've released to Audible, and that process is underway. So one of the first exciting things that's going to happen in the new year is is our release to Audible. And when that happens, we'll tell you about it, and we'll release it to social media and, and promote that. A lot of people prefer audiobooks. I read this one, so it will be one of those read by the author. I always like that. seems to add somewhat of a personal touch. And so um, you can be looking for that in the new year. Um, One more thing of looking back that I want to tell you about. Um, I want to encourage you, if you aren't a listener to the podcast, we host a daily podcast that we call the Deeper Daily Podcast. You can access this anywhere that you get your podcast. Just search for Paul White Ministries. And you'll see our logo, the same logo that's on our website, the same logo that's on our YouTube page, PWM. And every day, seven days a week, we do a a podcast and we walk through things. Right now, in the new year, we're walking through the Gospel of Mark, verse by verse. And so you can jump in on that. That started on January the 1st. On the last day of every month, we do an essay where I sit and write out something that's on my mind. And I then I read it to the audience. The print version of that's at our website. The audio of that is the final day of every month. I want to encourage you to check out the one that posted on the 31st day of December 2022. That was our our latest essay, and I based it on Jesus' statement on the Sermon on the Mount, to seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And I, I just talked about what that might mean for us going into a new year. So it was one of those that looks back a little bit, but looks forward a lot. And I just felt compelled to tell my the uh, audience, the weekend audience, about it. And one of the reasons I do that is because I it's come to my attention that 
there are people who really only follow one platform. There's some people who only watch. They just watch the YouTube videos. They don't ever listen to the podcast. They don't even know it exists. There are other people who only watch the weekend, just the Sunday drop, whatever we put out on Sunday. I've got others who only watch the midweek. We put a midweek lesson out on Wednesdays. That's the only one they ever see. Some people never watch. They only listen to audio. They listen to the podcast. They listen to these sermons. They've never, they never look at the visual. So um, because of that, I know that, that not everybody knows what's going on across all the platforms. And so I want to encourage you to check out the podcast. I think it could be a real addition to your daily, your daily bread, not your entire daily bread, but an addition to your daily bread going into the new year. Um, the, that, so the first big thing of the new year is going to be the audible book. The second big thing is somewhere at either the end of January or somewhere in early February, we are going to cross the threshold. That's very exciting. We are going to hit our five millionth audio download. Um, we have people accessing material from over a decade of stuff. We, all of it's free online. And every time someone clicks on one of those and listens, that racks up another download. And um, I, I don't know that I ever envisioned we would get to this number. Five million of you, <laughs> or five million times, people have clicked play. And I that's an inf- unfathomable amount to me, and I just want to praise the Lord, and I'm excited for that, that reality. Uh, in the month of March, Natasha and I are taking a couple of weeks. It'll be the longest stretch we've been away in a long, long time, but we are taking a couple of weeks and going to Jerusalem. This will be the first time we've ever been to the quote-unquote Holy Land. Uh, we will be there with uh, a church group out of Missouri. We will spend almost two weeks, about uh, almost two weeks, in uh, in Jerusalem and the surrounding areas, I could not be more excited. We've been planning on this since uh, late summer, and it is almost here. So um, I, I can't even fathom some of the avenues this is going to open for me mentally in regards to those lands. And you know my how I like to teach and preach. So um, maybe we will record some on-site stuff while we're there in March, and we'll put that up in the spring. Um, either way, going to be a really good time. Got some new stuff we're going to be doing this year. We're going to New York State and Pennsylvania in the summer. This will be a new stop for us. Um, we've got some spots up north that we're talking about going in the spring. Haven't nailed those dates down yet. In October, we're going to be in Aruba doing a conference. That's pretty good life, right? Uh, and then in November, we're going. We're coming to Europe for the first time. We will be doing a conference in the Netherlands. We'll be there nearly a week in November. Uh, of course, we'll put all the information for all that stuff coming up in the new year uh, as it approaches. But that's just very, very exciting. We are open to booking new places or coming to be a part of your group if you're looking to host a a grace encounter, we might be able to do that. So contact us. Um, I'll put the email address up on the screen, info at paulwhiteministries.com. And we would love to come be a part. Maybe uh, if we can, we would love to do it. Uh, We try to work those out uh, to come be a part of your group and and do meetings in your church or, or wherever. It's not been a big, big part of our ministry in this last year. Travel has went way down. Um, at first, I 
began to just seek the Lord as to why. And then I watched as he opened up more and more local. So we are now regularly having not only our weekly meeting here, but we have regular monthly meetings uh, in Flowery Branch, Georgia, in Chapin, South Carolina. And we're doing quarterly meetings at a good at a church about an hour north of here in Westminster, South Carolina, a good friend of ours. And we've, we, we're just watching as God opens more and more doors for us to be here. And we're starting to see why. So uh, thank you for your prayers. Please continue to do that. Um, I covet those prayers. All right. I do have a word, um, something that the, the Father really began to impress upon me a few weeks ago. And I didn't have a spot to open But I prayed, and what I mean by that is I want to base it off of a scriptural reference, not just a statement. And I knew that uh, given time, I would land where I needed to land with it. Um, I want to, before I read that text and get started, I want to read for you, and this is the part I told you a moment ago is a little bit unusual for me. I want to read for you a Facebook post that I put up. Um, That's odd because... First of all, many of you who follow us on Facebook probably notice that we have been very inactive. Now, we have two pages. I have Paul White Ministries and I have my page, and Paul White Ministries is active. Every time we put something up, the ministry page automatically links it. So that that's um, kind of stayed the same. My own personal page, I don't put a lot on it. I don't get on there much. Um, to be very honest with you, it just started to drag me down. Um, I'm not condemning the platform. I'm thankful for it. In fact, it's done a lot to help us promote the gospel. Um, but I, it started to drag me down at the, the the vitriol and the fighting and the arguing, and it just wasn't healthy for me. And I and I don't participate in that. But I got to where I would spend too much time looking at stuff that wasn't healthy for my soul. Uh, again, I'm not preaching that to you. I'm not telling you, you need to do that. It was his decision. And I didn't make a big deal of it. I don't, I don't, you know, I had to go on there and make a big speech. And so I didn't, but I do put the app on occasional. I put it on, take it off. Um, I just put it on when I need to put something up. So if we post something new and I think, Ooh, I need to say something about that. Like when we're selling the book or whatever. So I did that last week, and when I got on, I happened to do it on a day where one of those old memories comes up, and they have a feature where that memory will pop up and say, you put this up on such and so date. And it popped up an old post that I'd done from the 26th day of December 2019, and I read it, felt compelled to reshare it. And um, as I did that, I just kind of left it alone, didn't think much of it. I was out running this morning and praying about this word. And I really felt prompted of the spirit that for the first time ever, I'm supposed to read my own Facebook post on a video. So part of the reason I'm doing this is because I know that many, like I said earlier, the cross-platform stuff, like you you listen but you don't watch, or you watch but you don't listen, you listen to podcasts, you don't watch YouTube, you read, you, you've you've listened to my preaching. You never read my books. All that stuff. That, that stuff exists. I get it. There's a lot of people that watch that don't have Facebook, and they don't they don't ever read those things. And so I thought it would be one that would dovetail nicely into the word that I feel the Father has given me. So I want to start by reading the post, 
and I'm just going to read it word for word, and 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 then from there, um, see where it where it leads us in regards to the the text that I feel like the Lord has given. Um, this is from December the twenty sixth, twenty nineteen. In the advertising world, we are familiar with the statement and the concept, sex sells. We know it to be true, as we've experienced it in commercials, television shows, and movies. Businesses regularly use sex to sell products and appeal to our visual and emotional sensitivities. It works, not only in overt ways that appeal to sexual lust, but also by making us think about ourselves and how we want to navigate through the world. Advertisers know that they can bend us emotionally to where we want that car because of how it will make us look or feel. We need those shoes because the beautiful people wear them. We must have that house in that neighborhood because that is the sign of success that proves to the world we have accomplished something. None of these things may sound like sex in the classic definition, but I believe they are products of the sex sells environment. Show beautiful, happy people doing something, wearing something, driving something, and watch the consumers line up to be involved. No one wants the average, the ordinary, or the mundane. So we may not be products of an overcharged sexual environment, But we aren't looking to buy the car pitched by the ugly guy, the shoes worn by the worst athlete, or the food promoted by the overweight spokesperson. Sex sells. Believe it. In the church world, we also have a familiar statement and concept. Condemnation kills. We know it to be true as we've all been crushed beneath the weight of guilt and shame. The religious world is built on the concept of condemnation, for it appeals to our drive and our emotional sensitivity. Condemnation works in an overt way to motivate us to try harder, aim higher, and do better. It makes us think about ourselves, where our performance is at the center of the sermon. Churches know they can bend us emotionally to where we contribute and work and give and teach and a host of other things out of a sense of debt and obligation, our sin and failure ever before us. None of these things may seem to be connected to condemnation in the classic definition, but I believe they are the products of the condemnation-kills environment. Show people their failure, their past, their mistake, and their sin, and watch the church people line up to sign up, to pay a sort of penance for past behavior. We don't want to be the average, the ordinary, or the mundane. So we may not be products of an overcharged environment of condemnation, but we aren't too confident that the budget will be met if people don't tithe, or that the nursery will have workers if we don't pressure people to work, or that people will live right if we release them from their accountability partners. Condemnation kills. Believe it. Just as sex sells in the advertising world, condemnation kills in the church world. But really, I didn't talk so much about how condemnation kills as much as I did about how much we try and make condemnation work for us. Or better said, how 
condemnation cells. Truth be told, I think condemnation is to the church world what sex is to the advertising world. Use it to your advantage because people pay attention. And where people pay attention, people will pay. Sex sells, but it doesn't have to. We can determine that we are more valuable than the constant shame of self-evaluation. And we can decide that our wants and our needs are two different things and that we will not be manipulated in either of them. Condemnation sells, but it doesn't have to. We can determine that we are righteous and forgiven by no act of our own, but by the finished work of Christ. We can give up the foolishness of self-evaluation and begin to determine our value based upon what the Father says of us. We can conclude that condemnation will not drive us to work for the Father, or to give, or to perform. We can perform good works because we are His children. We can give because we want His kingdom to expand. And we can perform because the Father loves relationship with His children. But we aren't for sale, and we shouldn't live like it. Grace to you. Now, the reason that I read that um, in regards to this particular message is because we are sitting at the beginning of a new year and the popular thing to do is, in spiritual terms, is to give a word in regards to the new year. Sometimes we make it catchy, you know, like... um, I remember, I don't know why this one stands out to me, give them heaven in 2011, you know, way back a dozen years ago. I don't know why that one stands out. That does, though. Um, Whatever. We love, sometimes we make them catchy, we make them rhyme, make them poetic, but we try to really spiritualize something, like here's what God's going to do. And it, it, it almost always revolves around us, America you know, we, we, we try to make it relevant to the world we live in and God's going to do this and that. And oftentimes it's in the political and it's, um, but one thing that's overwhelming is how negative it is. You know, one of the words that we will get is warning and watch out. I was thinking about that a few weeks ago and the father gave me a little red flag and that's, what's been stirring in me. The little red flag was that we're going to hear prophecies beginning today for sure. We're going to hear words that revolve around revival. The need for a great spiritual awakening in America. The need for a revival. How God wants in these quote-unquote last days to pour His Spirit out and, and make a big surge of bringing in souls. And... I want to give you a warning, and this is what I sense in my spirit. I think that a lot of talk about revival and renewal is code language for legalism and works. I think that what gets pushed as a need for a moral awakening is code language for you need to get to work for God. You're not doing enough. God's unhappy with you. God expects more out of his church. God is requiring this. And if you listen long enough, it turns into here's what would happen if we would do it. 
if we would get more serious, if we would live holier lives, if we would discipline this and that and stop this and start this, then God. And so the message turns into, if you would do, then God would do. And the reason why that post that I gave of three years ago jumped out at me this week was more than just serendipitous because I don't even, I don't go on there enough to see it. And I had to go on on the exact right day for it to pop back up. So I say, okay, Lord, that goes with what you're telling me. And that is condemnation sells and it, it helps make ministries and churches rich sometimes too, to continue to put over people guilt, shame, and fear so that like the carrot in front of the donkey, the people move forward. It sells in the same way sex sells because it forces a self-evaluation in which you work hard to be someone else's image. I have experience with this in both realms. I deal with my own personal image issues, probably way more, way more than I would have admitted years ago, and probably far more than most people could ever imagine. Um, just being really honest, I, I, I deal with the way I look and the way I'm perceived and the way I sound. And probably a lot of that is because so much of my life is either in front of the camera or in front of this microphone. And so I'm critical, I'm not confident, and I don't, um, I don't love myself in some ways, like I know that the Father loves me, and like my family loves me, and like this audience showers upon me. Um, I'm not saying that for pity, I, I just, I'm just being honest, and I don't, uh, I, I don't, deal with that real well a lot of times that's also that's like the physical side that's the sex sell side of that story that's the you are you need to improve this physically mentally socially so that you are perceived differently but the other side of it, the condemnation cell side of it, is, is how I perceive myself spiritually. Now that part, I've had a, a true new creation experience in the second half of my life that has been so rewarding to come to grips with who I am in Christ and live free from the condemnation of others. Honestly, if I had to choose, I would choose the latter. Freedom from condemnation, even over the mental freedom of how you're perceived, how you look and sound. Um, I'm hoping for total victory in both, but I am grateful for the freedom of from condemnation. So I'm saying this from a, a personal place of having walked this out. It it bothers me to watch my fellow believers, my brothers and sisters in Christ be intimidated and frightened 
and made to feel guilty and full of shame and condemnation by my peers, by fellow ministers who are trading on manipulation. And so I warn you in this new year where you are going to hear messages that we need some revival, we need some renewal so that we, uh, and, and, and that that renewal is going to be performance driven and works driven and giving driven and doing driven. I just want to warn you that that is a code word for works. Okay. And that is being promoted by, in many cases, by those who purport to present something they don't understand. Here's our text. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5, Paul says, Now the purpose of the commandment is love from a pure heart, from a good conscience, and from sincere faith, from which some, having strayed, have turned aside to idle talk, desiring to be teachers of the law, understanding neither what they say nor the things which they affirm. Note, I'm I'm putting the whole thing up on the screen so I can talk through this whole thing. Note that the purpose of the commandment, this is the law, the purpose of the law is that we would love from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. It's all love. The purpose of the law is so that I will love from a place where my heart actually loves people, my conscience has no guilt, and my faith is sincere. Literally in the Greek, my faith is unhypocritical. I love you without pretense. The law was meant to put me in a place where I would love people without pretense. Some have strayed from that and they've turned aside to idle talk. They've turned aside to adding to that legal instruction, desiring to teach the law, but they don't know what it is they actually are talking about. And I, this scripture jumped out at me as the, the, the crux of what the Holy Spirit placed into my heart as a warning. That there are those who have taken, they take the law, and they're using it in a way they don't understand. And I think the way that it's being used in ways we don't understand is it's being used as the measuring stick for favor or anointing or blessing. And we're being told that if we won't do this, we'll start to get blessed. If we'll start doing this, we'll receive God's favor And I'm reminded of what Paul said to the Romans, that which was supposed to bring me life brought me death. So be warned. You've been warned. Let's land with such hope. Because I am such a believer in hope. I am such a believer that things are getting better. That Christ wins. That the love of God will conquer all. That love covers a multitude of sins. I land with Philippians 1. Paul has been imprisoned. He's being spoken badly about and he's being mistreated and he's being straight up persecuted. Things are not going well for Paul. 
And Paul can't help it. A lot of times he interjects himself into things that are, he has a great theological thought and sometimes he'll interject his own opinion in. And there's a little bit of Paul sneaking into this, but there's enough theology. This is, this is a text that gives me hope because I look around in the landscape of the pulpit and sometimes it'd be easy for me to lose hope. I actually think that the downward trend in church attendance, because there is one, it's stark right now. I actually think we're going to end up in a better place for this. Not because it's good that people don't go to church, but I think the church is going to be forced to re-examine herself. And that kind of evaluation is important to find out if we be in the faith and where we're not to get rid of it. So maybe we get back to the business of loving people rather than just the business of church. Because big business and church don't mix well. People is what it's all about. In the middle of that, there are really good things being done out of really bad mouthpieces. There are good things being done in places where there's also bad being done. There are ministries that are going to give you this stark warning about a return to high morals and the reason we need revival and it's all going to be code for legalism. And yet, they're going to put out a good book. And they're going to preach a sermon that touches you. And they're going to say something that's truly inspired by the Spirit. And that causes us maybe to sit back and go, how's that possible? How would God use that vessel? The reality is, is that we all are a mixed bag. And stuff comes out of our mouth that's not wholesome and doesn't minister grace. And then yet, boom, something that changes someone's life. I think Paul saw it that way as well. And I want to use Philippians 1, 15 to 18, as a way of sort of giving us hope that it's going to be okay. Some indeed preach Christ even from envy and strife, and some also from goodwill. The former preach Christ from selfish ambition, not sincerely, Supposing to add affliction to my chains. Here's Paul putting himself into the story, but the theology still applies. But the latter out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. Notice that some people preach strife. They preach Christ, but they're full of envy and they're full of strife. And some actually preach Christ for good reasons. And some preach out of love and some people preach out of selfish ambition. It's happening. What's Paul's conclusion? Verse 18. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached. And in this I rejoice, yes, and will rejoice. So I try to land with Paul. What should we say to the messages that are really just code for law? What should we say where there's something good comes out and then there's a couple bad that comes out. In every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ gets preached in this, I will rejoice. In this, I do rejoice. I pray that you are able to do the same. Rejoice. I pray that your year is full of blessing, favor, and prosperity. I pray that you will prayerfully consider partnering with us and helping us. Whatever you can do, 
can make a world of difference. Just a little bit from each could literally change our world. In any case, I'm praying for you. I hope you'll be praying for us. What I commit to you in 2023 is more of shining a spotlight on Jesus. Let's go make Jesus look good. We love you. God bless.